0: All right, welcome to the podcast for Professor Latinx, and I have as my guest today um, my undergraduates from film and comics. We are going to talk about Mad Max, Fury Road, as well as the comic book, the prequel comic book. Um, We have in the house today, we have Emily and Jindy and Bimni and Claire, so yay, welcome you guys. Um. Yeah, Mad Max Fury Road, the movie, like crazy that it like was a huge blockbuster hit because it's actually, in my opinion, a pretty innovative right action movie. Um, but today I would really like to kind of put some pressure on the ways that maybe it plays the same or radically innovates what we've seen on Hollywood movies in terms of gender disability and hopefully if we have some time um, we can talk about race as well but yeah let me throw out the question to you guys um we we have Charlize Theron Furiosa um and the film doesn't like set up the fact that she's going to be our real protagonist um and yet she is and she does all sorts of really interesting and complicated things um Emily do you want to like jump in here and just what's on your mind with gender and Mad Max?
1: Um, I'm thinking a lot about sort of the connection between disability and gender in the movie and how it's coded exactly uh, and how it kind of tries to have it both ways in terms of having disabilities sort of work as like movie shorthand for villain villainous characters in in the uh, form of Morton Joe and Corpus Colossus and Rictus Erectus, that they're also very visibly disabled, and we're supposed to, especially with Morton Joe, be sort of put off and disgusted by it. But then we have Furiosa, whose disability is much more, in a much more positive light, is neither something that, like, totally takes away her agency, nor is it sort of going into that trope of the super-crip where... It is becoming her sort of like super ability. Um, I think it's very interesting, sort of the
2: gender difference there,
0: yeah. So, mm-hmm. Bibni, what do you what's on your mind?
2: Um, I was thinking when we were talking about like the other day, um, I was thinking a lot about how, though, like, our protagonist in a lot of ways, like Charlie Favre, like, she in a lot of ways is. A very different pro- protagonist but when I first was introduced to her I was like oh is this gonna be our stereotypical like like the stereotypical hard-ass heroine mm-hmm. who's like very traditionally in many ways maybe uses masculinity as like a way of protection for her she has a shaved head how she dresses is in direct contrast to the wives in a lot of ways and with them having flowing hair and, like, traditionally feminine attributes, clothes, stuff like that. But I think I was, like, happily surprised by how vulnerable she was while still being able to, like, portray, I guess, be strong but have vulnerabilities as a character.
0: Great. Yeah, Jendi.
2: Yeah, I definitely
3: think that even when you have, like, a woman... Um, like as the lead protagonist and so there is that like gender representation it's also important to consider like the spectrum of that gender and like Bemni was saying like um, Furiosa is kind of seen as more androgynous and so even as the lead character there is that like proximity to maleness in terms of certain features um, and I think it makes me think about how it'd be different if the lead protagonists were very stereotypically feminine, but the people who are pregnant were more androgynous. Um, how would that like also shift our understandings of what was happening, or how would that like go a step farther in subverting like this dynamic of like the male protagonist or people with masculine? characteristics as the protagonist
0: oh really interesting yeah so maybe getting us kind of into this complicated area of um, feminine masculinities or um, sort of masculine femininities and spectrums um kind of non even to the point where it's non-binaries right mm-hmm. um and it, like you're saying, you all seem to be saying it's pushing in that direction, but maybe not going as far as it could. Claire, what do you think mm-hmm. in general? Yeah.
4: Yeah. What I think that, like, what first comes to my head is the very beginning of the film where we see Mad Max doing this monologue about who he is, like, what's happening. We see the, like, we hear the voiceovers of what's happened before where people are fighting. There's this, it's like a post apocalypse. Apocalyptic world. And you think that he's going to be the main character, and he's really not. And I think what I'm thinking of is like the audience response. Like, who is coming to see this movie?
2: Mm -hmm. Like, I
4: feel like it brought in both male and female audiences. And I think that, like, really, I think we were talking about like what we're signing up for, like what the contract is. And I feel like at the very beginning, I think men and women will both sign up to see this film well one because it's like tom hardy everybody loves tom hardy (laughs) and and and, uh charise theron yeah exactly like it got a lot of star power yeah it appeals to both um sexes and with that you would think like the male like it's like a dominant macho movie we'll go see this and women are like yeah, we'll see it just to see it. And, like, also there's the cultural impact that it's had before from the mm-hmm. 80s where um, old fans will come back and um, try to, like, see how this new film has uh, changed or been altered. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's- it has been because um, George Miller had a feminist expert on the set of the film, so I think that really has a huge impact mm-hmm. on what actually was portrayed, and that's why I think it resonates so well with, like, tons of, like, Mm -hmm. women audiences. Not just because of the actor or, like, the character, but because of this expert who is obviously guiding George Mm Miller as he made it.
1: I definitely think Miller does a sort of bait-and-switch with this, I mean, beloved franchise for some, um, in that we come in and we expect Mad Max, who's a titular character, to be the, the protagonist of the film, and then we literally have him sort of taking a secondary uh, role next to uh, Furiosa by, like, literally having him not in the driver's seat. That's, Mm -hmm. you know, that's Furiosa's role. And it's sort of a bait and switch in the best possible way uh, in that it can pull in old fans and then also sort of expose them to this great, like, feminist film.
4: Mm Mm-hmm. Right, and, like, the title, too. It's Mad Max, right. not Fury <laughs> Furious, Road. <yeah. laughs> well, it's, like, Fury Road, but it's, like, the road, not actually Furiosa. Yeah. She's yeah. never incorporated into the main Well, title, that's a
1: very, so. it's a very, like, macho. Yeah. You, you expect something of that title, Mad Max Fury exactly. Road. You have an image of what that will be. Mm-hmm. Just high-octane road battles, which it does deliver on, but there's mm-hmm. also more to it
2: than that. Yeah, I think I was surprised how much, like, I don't know depth it had because I mean, if you're a fan of action movies, I've talked to people who are big fans of action movies and like they're like, oh, I just go it so I can see mindless violence, you know? Mm -hmm. And like there is a lot of violence, Mm -hmm. but like (laughs) also, like, I don't know, it felt like I wasn't just seeing violence for violence's sake. Like, I feel like I find a lot of action movies distasteful because of that but like Mm -hmm. I wanted to finish the movie because I was like there's something else going on here like underlying the whole plot like I was like oh there's like things like like I care Mm -hmm. about these characters because they've made like well-developed characters not just I guess not just that stereotypical meaningless violence Mm -hmm.
4: Yeah, there's like a purpose to
2: all this violence whereas there's
1: something at stake right Mm -hmm. it's not like humanity humanity (laughs) (laughs) society Um, it's not like a Tarantino film that sort of just revels in violence for violence sake. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And usually at the expense of its female characters, um, it has a purpose and it's, we're fighting like the good fight in the film. We're rooting for Furiosa and empowerment and freedom and
2: change. And that's why I think it hits so hard. Yeah. I think the, also the biggest, Surprise I had. I was, when me and Jindy and our other friend were watching, Anjali, were watching the movie, we were like, I was like, oh my God, if they make these two romantically oh, involved, yes. oh Max God, and Furiosa, no. I'm like, I'm going to be so mad. And it doesn't like, happen. And and no, it's it great. it doesn't happen. You're like, oh my God, yes. Like, mm-hmm. you're like, maybe I can have a story where two opposite gender people mm-hmm. have a relationship that's not sexual, but yeah. still has meaning to it. Yeah, yeah. no, it's and deep, meaningful. Yeah. Like, they, When Max says his name to Furiosa, he's being, he's like offering the olive branch. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we've been through this and I care about you, but I don't care about you like that. Like he even sacrifices like, listen, let's go back. Like your dreams there. Like Mm -hmm. he's there supporting her and she supports him. Mm -hmm. And it's not like weird or like creepy. We're not like. There's never any
1: sexual or romantic tension between the two, which I really appreciate because I feel like so many action films like. I don't want to go outside of the conversation, but with Pacific Rim that we just watched for uh, our other class, um, you have that sort of compulsory heterosexual relationship where the male and female protagonists lock eyes and you're like, oh God, not this again. (laughs) Here we go. And it's not really all that satisfying because there isn't any real chemistry to sort of, expected that they get together they're
2: just there because they're there and then in movie land you're like all right i guess this is our love interest Mm -hmm. that's it and you're but instead they're like let's take this on a different path and see what happens and see what meaningfulness means outside of romance Mm
3: -hmm. and then i think that gives space for furiosa to Possibly be a queer protagonist yeah. and potentially fall in love with any of the pregnant women, mm-hmm. which is totally what we were rooting for.
2: <laughs> absolutely. You know, the whole time we're like, let's go, Bush lesbian. Let's go. <laughs> it like, was we just like three queer people mm-hmm. who are like, all right, like she could totally code queer. Like mm-hmm. we could see it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and she
1: plays a very intergender sort of position in the exactly. film. And I don't think that's, I mean, you can kind of read that as a bad thing, but I think with the way they pull it off, it's it's overall like a very positive mm. good thing yeah, I definitely read her as a queer figure.
2: Yeah, I feel like also I like that she, even though she is very like non-binary, I feel like a lot of protagonists are like female, pro- strong female protagonists are like, oh, I'm strong female protagonist. I hate femininity. I I'm not like those girly girls. Mm-hmm. And you're like, that's not the point. Like, what's wrong with being a girly right, girl? Right. Is that so wrong? Mm-hmm. Like when she's with the mothers, like she enables them to be better, but she doesn't like come at them for being like soft or not knowing mm-hmm. what they're doing or stuff like that like she's not rude or anything she's like trying to save their lives obviously but she doesn't she's not condescending to them she's not like she is a, like a character who seems comfortable with femininity she mm-hmm. just personally mm-hmm. isn't that feminine yeah you know?
1: and i think mm-hmm. a lot of the strength of her character comes from her willingness to sort of be soft and sort of be quote-unquote weak um, you know, is you know being part of the Vuvulani, the many mothers; those are very like heavily gendered terms, is not a bad thing, and it doesn't make her worse. It makes her better. It makes her stronger. And uh, we talked about that moment where she she drops her prosthetic arm, and we talked about it being a moment of weakness, and whether or not that was a good or bad thing. And I overwhelmingly read that as a really strong moment mm-hmm. for her to be able to sort of grieve in a world where grief is Not
4: allowed, mm-hmm. yeah, I agree.
0: Wow, you guys, I don't even like <laughs>
3: you, I, you guys
0: are on fire here, so yeah. Uh, we we talked about um this concept of the gendered pause, and gosh, maybe we should be talking about it as a kind of um you know more like less gender, and maybe even throw in sort of sexuality too, mm-hmm. like how she codes non-binary right mm-hmm. um, but yeah I think Mad Max gets that moment um, certainly in terms of gender and uh, Furiosa does in the, the moment when she kind of uh, that moment in the desert where we as audiences are being asked to pause to really recalibrate and shift our compasses according to like the way the mainstream wants to guide like conventions of gender coding and sexuality. Um, You guys mentioned Mad Max and that moment of his sort of self naming and the vulnerability there. What is different about that moment and maybe more complicated in terms of like the typical masculinities that we, we get in film action movies, mainstream stuff. Hmm. Claire, do you want to jump in here?
4: I'm thinking that it like the first thing that came to my mind was it, was much less physical i think it like if well first of all he has an able body and it's desired just much as like the um uh the wives are desired because he's like a blood bag Mm -hmm. pretty much so there's that like kind of comparison to like femininity even though he is the something that provides yeah exactly he and like he's wanted he's desired in that exact way um Whereas I think you would see that more in a like a woman, a woman like basically like you know the, the woman's sidekick, kick the love interest or whatever. Um, but for Furiosa, she is actually the one who has no arm. She has the prosthetic. She is kind like she's like she's the one who's like leading the um, women to their safety, not a man. Which I think that kind of incorporates. I don't know the. This is so complex. I don't know <laughs> where I was going with that, but
1: do you, uh do you mind if I like jump in here? Go ahead.
4: <laughs>
1: um yeah, I was I was not see now I lost my train of thought. Um <laughs>
3: Yeah, what were we talking? Oh, yeah. you were going to jump in. Yeah, go ahead. I had a question based on what you were saying, um do you think then that the the prosthetic is is like a sort of like the fact that Furiosa has the prosthetic in relation to, like, the article that you had us read, um, Professor Aldama. Yeah. yeah. um, When it comes to, like, men being valued for, like, their ability to perform or, like, Mm -hmm. Mad Max's, like, fighting skills, um, whereas, like, in a post-apocalyptic like world where women... Necessarily, like the article said, they wouldn't necessarily be able to survive
1: mm-hmm. or be
3: valued based on their physical like characteristics or abilities, which I thought was an interesting take. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, given that take, like what does it mean for Furiosa to have the prosthetic and not Mad Max, when mm-hmm. like the physical abilities of Furiosa, according to this article, aren't necessarily valued in the first place.:
4: mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. That's
4: interesting.
2: Yeah. That is interesting, and I kind of like, I really like delving into that, but also, like, I feel like for Mad Max, I think his, I, well, I feel like he codes as, like, having, like, PTSD. Oh, his absolutely. flashes are so, yeah. and for, so for him, it's, like, interesting, because, yeah, Furiosa maybe is already considered, like, she shouldn't be here in that mm-hmm. sense of, like, she shouldn't mm-hmm. be this strong or this able to fend yeah. for her own, yeah. and I I honestly, I don't know what it means in the sense of like with her disability being outward because but then also the fact that she is still able to fend for herself with her Mm -hmm. disability being outward is very interesting that they chose to like make it instead of her being like somebody that I guess in the context of like having to be like tagged along or she's leading the mission Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. even with the outside max seems to have more of a problem in a lot of sense like for her it doesn't come up even at all really except once when max like defeats her when he takes off like her arm and i think that was like once in the whole film that we saw that like maybe this could be Mm -hmm. a disadvantage Mm quote-unquote but like for max i feel like for him we consistently saw the ptsd like, coming up in flashes Mm -hmm. and stopping him in conflict and stuff. I feel like that brings up an interesting point when we were talking about masculinity earlier because Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, like, in action movies, not just action movies, but a lot of these war movies and stuff like that, everybody's like, oh, like, look at this person, you know. They were so... They never give you the aftermath after the fighting is done. They never give you the aftermath about what happened. They give you all this glory or glamour or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. They never, like, Mm -hmm. talk about, like... This person just saw, like, eight people blow up in front right. of them. That has a lot of emotional, psychological right. yeah. But they Taxes. were just, like, okay with it because they were, you know, strong, masculine. Right. And so, well, like, they're just chilling. But instead, Max, we get ch- ma- chance to view Max in the lens of him being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, he actually is hurt about right. this and mm-hmm. now has attachment issues and stuff like that.
1: And is, is grieving and is sort of haunted by that right. grief. And I feel sort of returning to that topic of masculine action heroes we don't expect them to have moments of grief Mm -hmm. of vulnerability we expect them if they're confronted with something something emotional or something you know trying in their situation they're supposed to sort of just stoically push through it instead of actually processing that emotion um and that's where we get their sort of idea of strength is that like nothing's Mm -hmm. going to stop this mission that i'm on not even this horrible like traumatic yeah. experience, but continually we see Max reliving those experiences, and it, at one point it even saves his life in that right he does the action of the hand of the forehead that the little girl mimics, and mm-hmm. it stops
2: the bolt right I feel like i've i think what's interesting is in this film is i haven't seen a lot of films give a character a chance to have a whole grieving process yeah. in the film. I can think of. I think a director I see do this a lot is Hayao Miyazaki. Mm -hmm. And um, like specifically in Kiki's delivery service and like um, Howl's Moving Castle where Sophie and Kiki both, they both have like a mourning sense when things die for them. Like in a sense, whether it's their career, whether it's like, oh, in the sense of them being abandoned and you get to see that. Mm -hmm. That's the only, I feel like for me, that's the only film I've been able to see that. And I think it was refreshing to see it in an American film where mm-hmm. I guess this hyper masculine, even hyper feminine image of like, mm-hmm. you know, either, you know, you're super sexy, you don't have that many emotions, you're not <laughs> that deep, or you're <laughs> for male and woman, you yeah. know, like it's it both like in both of uh, those genders. When portrayed on screen, it's like, you're so sexy. You know yeah, You know yeah. the meme, like, you're so sexy. Don't be right. sad. Like, but like <laughs> Just smile. Just smile, but instead, It's so like, sexy
1: that you're emotionally withholding. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: But instead, we get to see, like, the grittiness yeah. of grief in this film.
1: Of, of real emotion, mm-hmm.
2: or at least real
1: emotion reflected upon the screen. Sort of adding to the uh, Hayao Miyazaki point, I think Ari Oster does this really well mm. with midsomar and um, Hereditary and showing female grief and specifically female grief and sort of how raw that can feel. Mm-hmm. And I think Miller definitely sort of gets pretty close to sort of the heights that Ari Aster does. Yeah. I would have loved to
0: have been on the set to see like Ava Ansler kind of Ensler saying, look, you're getting this wrong, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know That's uh, not what you it's were like. talking mm-hmm. about, like, you know, the author of Vagina Monologues, they're on point making sure mm-hmm. George Miller, you know, gets it um, right. Uh, race is something we also talk a lot about, and um, where is race, or, and what is whiteness, right, in this film? Right. I don't know. What do you guys, where are mm. you at with this, Claire? Do you want to launch us on this?
4: Well, Obviously isn't much diversity in this film that I could see at all. I, I think, think we have the one white um yeah, toast uh Zoe, Zoe Kravitz. Kravitz. Yes. Yeah. But that like it's there's zero mention of that. It doesn't matter. Like the the uh, So is
0: this another post apocalyptic where
1: like, we don't are we all count? white? I like, don't know. <laughs> there's yeah. like right? There's just know. no Jindy, I have, yeah. yeah.
3: I do think that like I didn't see it as much in the movie, but in the comic, um, something that I noticed was that the people that owned, is it the Citadel, right? The people that owned the Citadel before, mm-hmm. like, um, really bad with names. And Martin Joe. Before mm-hmm. Martin Joe, like, came. Oh, yeah. Were um, they, like, native? Were more, like, yeah, like, native yeah. or, like, Asian features. And then what I saw was that. They took it over from them with weapons. And so Mm. there was, like, this message of, like, you need, like, big guns and masculinity to, like, take land over, right? And I think it was a really interesting choice um, for that author to portray those original characters as more, like, Asian or Native American, like, with more Native American or Asian features but then not do it like they didn't have a redemptive role at all they just like Mm -hmm. got taken whereas you could have just like made them white you know and it's just like an all-white people
4: comic yeah i feel like in this era like fairy roads like specifically like i think they're it's like a high focus on sexual sexuality masculinity femininity femininity but that's their only priority and like they just don't even acknowledge race and like you can have but I feel like it gets
1: edged out a bit because of that. And I definitely think there's sort of something to be said about the war boys appearance and how they're all coated in white powder. Mm. I mean, you can kind of read that, that as like representative of their half life, their leukemia and sort of this pale withdrawn figure. But I also think there's something going on there with whiteness. Mm.
2: Yeah, I thought it was interesting how all the wives were white, were very traditionally attractive, yeah. and also, like, the one person of color that you see as a main character is very racially ambiguous. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you, like, that's just Zoe Kravitz looks like this. But it yeah. feels like, whether you make that choice or not in casting or filming, it feels like a very intentional choice. Yeah, I right. took it as, like, for that those characters, probably makes sense because Merton Joe like, with whatever standards he has, like a more than Joe's in a sense. I feel like he represents so much like this traditional hyper-masculine, like when he comes in and he like the legend building himself, the Mm -hmm. legend and all this stuff. And he wants to choose like whatever, like white beauty standards, you know, fulfill for him. He's like, like looking at the girls, they all look very similar. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, for racially wise, those, I feel like that's why they chose the wives. But I think also we have to understand also like choosing like Charlie Thurzon, is I'm saying her name right? Yeah, like as the main character, like she's also a traditionally attractive white woman. Yes, that's true. So like, you know, this is, this is, I was Consider in many ways this has many like this film has many feminist qualities, but also like there's a certain amount of privilege she has to be liked on screen as a character. Would she be receptive as well if she was a black woman Mm -hmm. or an Asian woman or somebody else who, you know, like darker native woman, you know, if she couldn't pass as racially ambiguous or white, would she be considered valuable as this, you know, really cool High energy, like being able to badass, or would she be considered? You know, like, oh, that's too unrealistic. She's too bossy or too loud or too, you know, would we be reading those moments differently as the audience?
1: You know, the moments that we're praising. Would we be reading those differently if she was a person of color?
2: You
3: can. Um, Yeah, I really like that you brought up the fact that Furiosa was racially ambiguous. Um, I also. Saw that in Pacific Rim with Miss Mori, who, mm-hmm. like, was supposed to be a Japanese character, but, like, had really, like, racially ambiguous features. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. She, They still fit into this, like, Western standard of beauty. Right. right. And then also, like, on the point of the spectrum of different women represented within Mad Max, you see, like... Okay, you have Furiosa and then you have like the wives who are like stereotypically beautiful in their like proximity to whiteness and also Mm -hmm. their thinness. Um, And even like when they're pregnant, like sometimes it still looks like no baby shots from like an airy like it's like a Playboy uh, spread. (laughs) Right. Like underwear commercial. Like they're just in the desert rinsing themselves. And then there's also like the the women that are being used for their milk production and then so i feel like you could potentially say that the film is doing something redemptive with gender but not with like body type or Mm -hmm. body size yeah because because i think oftentimes like larger women are um like hyper feminized Mm. based Mm -hmm. on their size and it, like, fell directly into that trope and also, like, seen as maternal, right? And so right. they're, like, their only role is, like, producing milk, and they also weren't worthy of being
2: saved. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, that's, I think that's, like, kind of, uh, to put it crassly, they're literally being used as cows to yeah. Yeah. to create milk, and then the wives are being used to breed Um They're undifferentiated. They're undifferentiated. I actually almost the first time I saw this movie in theaters, walked out when we got to the breastfeeding. You did, yeah, because I was so Um. like horrified. Mm. (laughs) And I, I'm glad I stuck it out because the film didn't sort of follow through with this, like this what I thought was going to be this expectation of female suffering. Right. Um, But I do think we're supposed to understand all that in the context of the society that Mm. Immortan Joe's set up. It's not necessarily the one that the film is pushing for or rooting for, but it is the one that we're fighting against.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also, I want to talk about how we were talking. I feel like we talked about in class and hear a lot about Furiosa being vulnerable, mm-hmm. but I wonder if her race was changed. Would people be able to perceive mm-hmm. her as vulnerable? Yeah. And would mm-hmm. they like it or would they just think that, You know, what do we allow white womanhood to do? You know, like what do we allow white womanhood to be a million things, you Mm -hmm. know, but when we get to other like types of women, when we get to, you know, Asian women, a lot of the stereotypes are like, you have to be weak, you have to be small, you have to be meek. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times when you see characters, they're like over badass Asian, like Mm -hmm. superheroes, I feel like are over badass so that like they can't be vulnerable because, you know. That's supposed to be perceived as fighting against it. Or, you know, like black superheroes, same thing. Like, you have to be bigger and better because, you know, black women are perceived as being, you know, angry and like hyper emotional. Yeah, hyper emotional. So that any emotion becomes. Right. Right. Every emotion is too much. Everything. Would people be perceiving her in that way if she was, you know, any other race? Would they, if it was like Angela Bassett, right?
4: like Mm -hmm. older
2: women who can older black women, would they be like sympathizing with her and saying, you know, like she's been through so much. She's still a strong character. Or would they be like, Oh, I guess like (laughs) she's not like, I mean, she's not, I didn't like how she was weak, like in this moment. Or would they be like, she's allowed to be complex too.
1: And I, I think the answer to that is yes, it would be radically different. I think that for all the sort of forays that the film makes, it still plays it very safe with their sort of actor acting right. choices, mm-hmm. especially with Sharice uh, Throne having a big name and having this sort of traditionally beautiful white woman. Um, I think sort of kind of staying in the bounds of Hollywood there still. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So kind of as we wrap up here, um, you know, there is some, it does do, it does push on whiteness in the sense that maybe we're seeing for the first time in an action, maybe, whiteness that is absolutely degraded mm. and um, kind of barbaric. And for the first time, maybe we're seeing um, kind of white orphans who seek out father figures like Immortan Joe and create these kind of um, ad hoc families. Whereas we're used to seeing Latinxes, African-American men in those kind of gangbanger roles. right? Right. And, But, you know, it's really toxic, this Mm -hmm. kind of white patriarchal world. Um, But at the same time, like you guys were saying, casting of our protagonists could have really radically changed something. I wonder if post Black Panther, right, we might be maybe producers, the people with the money might be more willing now to take that.
1: But I still feel like there's an issue of gender Mm -hmm. that is playing a huge role. You're more willing to cast, you know, a person of color who is. Uh, male than it's said female.
2: Yeah, I feel like I've seen it in more like real to life. Like I think there was a movie I watched that was Josefina or something something like that. Like I think Angela Bassett was in it but mm-hmm. like she was allowed to be vulnerable. She was allowed to be old. She was allowed to be all these things and people were still fighting with her but I don't see it as much I feel like in action wise still and I wonder if I feel like in action will take a lot longer to do versus maybe like more real to life stuff because I feel like I've been seeing all this change in like teen movies and stuff like that but Less as much in, I don't know, in like the action superhero genre in a lot of ways. Especially Mm -hmm.
1: because the fan base is so vocal
4: and terrible (laughs) about it. They're always, they're yelling of
2: forced diversity. It's like, you know, life is diverse. (laughs) No, yeah, like talking about, you know, Comic-Con events and stuff and people seeing gatekeeping. Yeah, anything, you know, anything. And people are like, ugh. You know, yeah. like, oh, this is wrong. Even in comics, you've, we've seen even such a pushback mm-hmm. to like that with, why is there a woman a, in here? <laughs> yeah, why is this woman, why is this
1: I mean, we talked black person,
2: like, smart, you yeah, know? Yeah,
1: uh, uh, we talked about that with um, the sort of Furiosa comics and the kind of critical backlash that we got from that and i felt a lot of that had to do with gendered readings of the comic Mm -hmm.
2: yeah definitely
0: Definitely. all right so but we still have a thumbs up right it's still doing some good work Um, maybe not as much as we'd like but hopefully um i don't know
1: good movie 10 out of 10 you guys will
0: uh will be our next um not just consultants but film directors and makers and we'll get this right next time (laughs) Uh, the next action hero will get it right um any final comments anything
1: it's a good movie go see it (laughs) all right all right (laughs) three times it holds up
0: (laughs) well thanks for tuning in to professor latinx and listening to us talk about mad max fury road